This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is Titus with my co-host Travis today. And today, on this episode, we have the privilege of being with Josh Peck from Outdoor Limits. What's up, Josh? Not much. Glad to be here. <laughs> You're staying from the, away from the corona? Trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better than being in the outdoors, staying away from it, huh? Yeah, I've been outdoors quite a bit since I got furloughed from my job, so it's given me a lot of opportunities to get out and go turkey hunting and do some fishing and it's been kind of a productive time for me. <laughs> Sounds like it. Can't go wrong with that, huh? Mm-mm. So uh, why don't you, uh, kind of what we do off the bat, guys, is we, um, I want him, Josh, to introduce himself. Uh, like, you know, I guess we kind of already did that. But just give your social media and where people can find you, YouTube, all that Instagram, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I make YouTube videos, and I'm from Kansas, so... Um, my YouTube channel is called outdoor limits and I've got Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Um, the Snapchat is KS fisherman one, but the rest of them are outdoor limits or no, it's KS fisherman is what the Snapchat is. Sorry. Gotcha. But the rest of them are outdoor limits. So, uh, if you're looking to find me, just search outdoor limits and you'll probably be able to find me pretty easily. Cool. Right on. All right, guys, go subscribe to him. Check it out if you guys watch YouTube videos. I know podcasting is a little different world. Some people just listen to podcasts. They don't go to YouTube and vice versa. But anyways, if you do and you do both, go check them out. All right, so Josh, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself just to start this off. I know you said you're from Kansas and stuff, but what do you what do you got going on in your life? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm 23 years old, and I'm – 
a YouTuber, make a bunch of duck hunting videos and in the off season do some fishing videos as well. But I'm from Kansas, like I said earlier, and uh, been a resident here my whole life and uh, pretty great place to live. If you're an outdoorsman, there's all kinds of opportunities, but um, you know, just fresh out of college, got a job and bought a house and on my way to growing up and all that. So um, just kind of been a little bit of a wild ride so far. I've been fortunate enough to have YouTube be working out in my favor and really enjoying every moment of that. So, um, anything else you want to know about me, Titus? Well, we'll <laughs> get in. <laughs> well, we'll get in some more of that because um, I have some questions. I know I gave you a little bit of a heads up because these are. I, I really kind of want to start doing this, Travis, to more you know people that we have that guests yeah. that we have because these are really cool things, and you're the one that kind of made me think about it. You know, first duck, first gun, first hunt, that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. Sometimes we forget about that, but anyways, uh, gave you a little time to think about it. So first off, how did you get into duck hunting, Josh? So it's a pretty long story, but I'll try to keep it concise. So when I was 16, I took a hunter safety course with my cousin. And that was just on a whim. My parents enrolled me in it because my cousin was going to take it to go turkey hunting the following spring. And so I learned about hunting and got into it through the hunter safety course. It was always an interest of mine, but none of my family members hunted. So I didn't have any experience with it at all. And uh, over the years, I got to know some people that wanted to take me out. And so I went on a deer hunt and then at my family's farm every winter and fall, we'd get a lot of geese coming out and feeding in the fields at the farm. So I got the bright idea that I wanted to try goose hunting and got to talking to a, a teacher at my high school. So this, this was when I was in high school, got to talk to him and he let me borrow some of his decoys and, you know, 16 years old, never goose hunted a day in my life. I mean, this was before any, instructional material was even on YouTube at that yeah. point. Yeah. And, you know, I was basing all my knowledge off of articles I read online and in magazines trying to figure out how to hunt geese. So did that for two years with no, uh, no results, <laughs> but had a lot of long sits in cornfields, <laughs> but with duck hunting, it never really came into something that I was successful at until my sophomore year of college, but duck hunting itself, I was introduced to duck hunting and not goose hunting by my friend Adam, my freshman year of college. And we went out duck hunting twice. We didn't shoot any ducks, but you know, it, it caught my attention as something that I was really interested in. It's like, this is like fun. This mm -hmm. will be a lot of fun to learn how to do. And so my sophomore year of college, I was friends with some people who duck hunted and they invited me into their group that, goes out every weekend and that's where I learned a lot of stuff and that's when it kind of all started and if you go back on my YouTube channel some of the first videos on the channel about duck hunting are from that season when I was first introduced into duck hunting so you can follow how much I learned and how quickly I picked mm. it up since I've got this uh, catalog on YouTube of all these videos but sometimes I go back and look at those and <laughs> cringe. <I> just, <laughs> well, it's not necessarily cringe. It's just all these good memories of just yeah, yeah. learning how to duck hunt yeah. and seeing how far along I've come with, you know, being excited about shooting one pintail in a hunt to, yeah. you know, now I'm stacking up mallards on farm ponds. And, you know, it, 
it was a long, long ride before I finally found success. But when I found success, it just kind of took off from there. And having YouTube videos to go back and look on is really cool. That's sweet. Hey, Josh, what was the first duck that you ever killed? Um, it can be a coot. Those don't count. <laughs> no. Duck wise or just hunting yeah, as, wise? as a duck. I mean, like you know, your your first your first duck that you killed that you can remember. My first duck that I killed, I will never forget, and it's not <laughs> for the reasons of why it was my first duck. So this was when I first was getting into it. My buddies took me out on a teal hunt, and I shot a wood duck in teal season. Oh, <laughs> that always be that's my memorable. first duck. You know, a lot of people take pride in their first duck. It's a memory that they're always going to remember for a good right. reason. But for me, it was not because the game warden was waiting at the boat ramp for oh, us no. when we got back. Oh, and $525 later, oh, I never forget woo. that duck. Yeah, I had a experience like that. One but, time I shot a, a speck in the season. It was only goose that it closed. And it closed the week the weekend before, and all the other geese were open, and I shot a speck, and it was out of season, and yeah, that w- that was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was a really good learning experience for me when I was first getting into duck hunting, and it really put into perspective is you really need to know how to identify <laughs> yeah. things on the fly, yeah. and. I to this day I am extremely cautious during teal season, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of other people are too, but. I think I'm so cautious to the point where I'm pulling up to shoot too late mm-hmm. when I've got seal coming in, but I'd rather, you know, not limit out and not shoot any out of season birds right. than to, you know, mess up like that. But yeah, that was my first duck. It's not something I'm super proud to talk about, but you know, <laughs> it happens to everybody at some point. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's not uncommon, but kind of sucks that that was my first, <laughs> first yeah. duck I shot, but Till til tastes good, but I don't think it's worth five hundred and twenty-five dollars. <laughs> yeah, wood ducks are good eating. And oh yeah, wood duck. I mean, yeah, well, they they confiscated the duck and everything. Yeah. Oh, re- oh, really? Yeah. 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 You know, I I can totally understand that now because I've never experienced that until last year when I went with Matt uh, in Nebraska, and mm-hmm. it was like. It w- I was super like paranoid. Like I was like, I cannot shoot the wrong bird, you know. Plus, we're filming everything, which it doesn't matter either way. I don't want to do it whether I was filming or not. But I, I literally in the video had me pull up on a bird come in locked. I mean, it was glorious. And it, like I had my beat on, I was getting ready to squeeze, and then boom, I could tell it was a pin. And I was like, oh, thank God, I never <laughs> shot. Yeah. But yeah, it's you got to really, really watch. But anyways, okay. Well, I'm just curious. What was your what was your first shotgun? My first shotgun was a Mossberg 500. Oh, nice. And um, so when I was 16 and in high school, I didn't have any guns. My dad never had any guns. But my grandpa, he had a 12-gauge Mossberg, and I borrowed that. But my godfather, he actually gave me my first shotgun, and it was a Mossberg 500. And so I still shoot it sometimes today i don't really take it out unless i absolutely have to but um pump action 12 gauge and it's it's seen its fair share of use and abuse (laughs) nice so now i know we talked about your first duck but you said you did spend some time duck hunting and didn't shoot anything i'm just curious do you remember your first actual uh duck hunt itself and kind of what took place on that hunt 
I do. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was, it was a day that, you know, if I was able to relive it today, I would be in hog heaven because mm. we had four inches of snow come in that night and I had to put it in four wheel drive and drive 35 miles an hour down the highway to get down to the marsh. Mm. And I mean, it was just light snow all morning and I, we were on a public marsh and there were some other groups out there and they were just killing the crap out of ducks, but we only had six decoys and, um, it, you know, it, it was a learning experience, but you know, if I was able to relive it today with the, all of the knowledge I have and all of the gear that I have at this point, I mean, I would, I would love to redo that hunt. <laughs> probably, you think you could probably could have slayed them, huh? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know what, I, I, I'm going to start doing this and asking this question. It's something I just came up with. It's the first podcast I've asked anybody this, and I'm going to even challenge myself with this too, is what is something you've learned this year that's made you a better waterfowler? Because we're always learning. I mean, can you pinpoint something, one thing that you think, you know what, that made me better this year. This is what I do better. Yeah, 100%. So... I actually was listening to some podcasts early on in the season. And I think it was before the season even started, but it was mentioned that a lot of guys go out and adjust their decoys when the birds aren't wanting to come in. And that was me to a T every time birds weren't wanting to commit, I'd go and fidget with the decoys and make them into a different formation. But what they said on the podcast was, to look more at your hide than you do at your decoys. And that's often something that I tend to overlook when hunting out of like a layout blind or an A-frame. You're like, oh, no, it's fine. But once I started making that change from looking at the decoys to looking at the blinds Mm -hmm. and brushing in the blinds better and just touching things up, like if you're in an A-frame, you got to make sure that grass is covering that top part of the blind. And once I started making those changes, instead of looking at the decoys, it made a world of difference this past season. Hmm. So that is the biggest thing that I learned. And I guess I relearned it because when I first started hunting, the hide was super important, but then I kind of lost focus on that through the years and just focused on the decoys mainly. So once you start looking at that hide and you touch that thing up, your decoy spread's not going to matter. Yeah. I agree with that too. You know, I, I, if I was, cause what you said is, you know, that already, but it's mm-hmm. weird that you can still learn things that you already know at a deeper level, you know, or you get reminded of. So for like instance, to me, if I was to say something I learned this year that made me better and, and make, gave us more success, I truly believe was movement on the stagnant, calm, calm, windless days. And mm-hmm. of course I know that, you know, we've, we've used jerk strings. We've always used that. But sometimes I've gotten lazy. I'm like, does it really make that much of a difference? You know, and you know you're going out there, zero wind, you know, bluebird day, and you get lazy, and then you the results prove to be what it's going to be. Is there's you're not drawing anything in. They're not going to come in. They see that those decoys are not moving. Yeah, they're like statues yeah. sitting on the water. <laughs> and then you water. and then we go and buy the Higdon. Uh, what are they called? Pulsators. The pulsators, and we get the jerk string, and we. We go less decoys, but everything's moving, and it made a monster difference. And I, it's like I know that it would. I know that. But I made myself this year, and we literally had way more success doing that and maybe taking 
maybe yeah, nobody likes just sitting there jerking a string the whole time. It's kind of a pain. It gets annoying, especially if you're, you don't see nothing flying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're bringing more birds in, isn't that the reason you're sitting out there in the first place? You know? It is. And it, I think that that brings up a good point is like, it's not that you learned something new. Right. It's realizing or remembering that this is important mm-hmm. because there's so many things to worry about and get straightened out by the time you're hunting that sometimes you overlook things that should not be overlooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, too, how much better, I know maybe you don't have an opinion on this, but I always feel like every year, at the beginning, from the time, beginning of season, even though I've been duck hunting for a long time, to the time at the end, I feel like not only my better shot, obviously, that's kind of given because you're shooting more, mm-hmm. but you're also better. You, you feel like, I just feel like I'm honed in more and dialed in more to be successful, you know, the last month and then boom, it's over, you know, and you're like, ah, I wish the season well, was going. That's interesting that you say that because I feel the opposite. I feel like when season starts here, I'm really, really amped up and trying to do as best as I can. But as the season goes on, I get drained and (laughs) I wear out over time. And then I just start to get lazy. Yeah. So that happens too. You know what? Now, let me ask you this though. I mean, because we have two opinions on that, but let me ask you do you have you would have more birds at the end of season two, right? Or do you, is it because you have more birds at the beginning? I'm not, I'm asking, I don't know. Cause we get all our birds more at the end. So it's more crucial to us to get more important. Cause we don't have much here at the beginning. Yeah, we don't, we don't have a whole lot here at the beginning of the season. The best time of year here, I always tell people is usually about mid December to late December. Okay. We get a push in late November around Thanksgiving and then we get another push in December and January is when our duck split is. So, you know, you get a couple of weeks of not duck hunting and, you know, I just tend to try and coast out that last month and uh, do as best as I can, but sometimes it can get really tough too. And it's just like, what's, what's the point of putting in the effort? Yeah. Do the birds tend to leave at that time of year, Josh? Cause I know some, sometimes here, um, like you said, like early, maybe like late Late December, but you start hitting early January, and it seems like sometimes the duck numbers kind of diminish a little bit. Um, I've had some like, um, the like the last couple of weeks of the season where it's like, where where all the birds go? They should be here in in mass, and and they're not sometimes. Here, the last you know last month is January, and we generally are maxed out on mallards at that point, and so. A lot of places you get a good mixed bag variety of ducks throughout the season. But for us here, it's generally October and November, early December. You get kind of that early season mix where you get your teal, your pintails, shovelers, um, gadwalls, and widgeons. Later on, once things start to ice up and get cold, then you're mainly seeing mallards and gadwalls. And occasionally, you know, you'll see maybe one or two pintails in a group of mallards. But... um, the mallards, they're cold hardy, so when it really depends on the ice situation. As long as they've got water, and what they do is they roost up on water, so they keep that water open as long as they can. And so it gets tough to hunt the birds when there's ice because what they do is they roost up on somewhere you can't hunt. They go out to feed in the field you can't hunt, and then they go back to that roost. So it's not that we don't have birds sometimes, it's that they're just not huntable. Gotcha. Huh. 
limited limited opportunities. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's as many birds as you want, but there's very limited opportunities to hunt yeah, them sometimes. Gotcha, gotcha. Especially when it's late January when it's twelve degrees outside. Yeah. Well, so this is kind of a two question deal, and I don't want to get these mixed because they're kind of a different different in a way. So first off, can you just define for us uh, Midwest weather, you being there in Kansas, just define in the duck season, what is, do you, does it change fast? Does it rain more than it snows? Is it, you know, like kind of just for those of us on the East coast or even the West coast that aren't in that central area of the Midwest, what are you guys seeing? Kind of what can happen with the weather? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I ask myself that every day. <laughs> I bet you. Um, I bet you're better at it than the weatherman, though. <laughs> yeah, just stick your head outside. Yeah. Um, typical weather. Um, it can fluctuate. So, we'll talk November. So November, it's usually 40s. Okay. The high. Yeah. Okay. 40s, 50s, highs. <laughs> But then again, there was two seasons ago, we were breaking ice in November. Mm-hmm. This past season, it was like 65. Mm-hmm. It, you cannot rely on the weather to be cold during duck season in the mm-hmm. Midwest. Mm-hmm. You'll have cold weeks, but then you'll have warm weeks, and then you'll have cold weeks again. So, you know, the ice eaters and the ice rippers that I use an ice ripper, but they, um, they've came in to play this past season for me and made a huge difference because if you're able to keep a pond open for those random cold snaps you get where things will ice up for a week, then you'll have a lot of hunting opportunities, Mm -hmm. but the weather itself, the temperature wise, you know, we had hunts where one weekend it's 65 and sunny with no wind. And then the next weekend it is 12 degrees snowing sideways. Hmm. So it's, it's, there's no typical weather. Yeah. Yeah. See, I mean here we honestly don't have snow. I mean, not where we hunt, but there is some places in Northern California, but I mean, for the most part, it's, it's kind of the same because we can get the strong North winds, get some storms and then it could be 80 degrees next week, you know. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. different levels at different temperatures, but I guess yeah. it's like that everywhere, huh? You just get that wet, weird weather you don't know. Can't predict mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but most of the time, you know, you're probably sitting in high 30s, low 40s throughout the season. Okay. Um, just the average. Just an average, probably high 30s, low 40s if I was going to average it out. Gotcha. Well, now that my second part of the weather question there was is – we were talking about this in a podcast about what we like, and we all, I think we somewhat had a little bit of differences, pretty close though, out here on the West Coast, like what we like are the optimal, it, the like optimal yeah. weather we like. And I'm talking about if you could dial a day up. Yeah, I'm talking about cloud cover. I'm talking about precipitation, no precipitation, sun out, um, wind, whatever, south wind, north wind, like really detailed. What, what weather do you get that you feel like, oh, this is, gonna be a banger like this is the big hunt this is gonna be it and it always nails it like what do you pick if you were to pick i'd say a north wind at 15 to 20 miles an hour temperature 
just above freezing, you know, probably low, you know, like you first get out there, it's like 26, 27 degrees. Mm. But then once the hunt starts going about 10 o'clock, you're about 32. And then once you're leaving, you're about 35. So you're not dealing with ice. You got mm-hmm. a good cold front moving through and you got a good strong wind. So you don't have to worry about decoys standing still. Yeah. Now I prefer hunting on sunny days as opposed to overcast days. Same here. Yep. I feel like sunny days, they just, the, you get that shadow from trees and things. It hides you better. Overcast days, the ducks will see everything. So I prefer the sunny days myself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah now, here's, here's a better question for you guys when it comes to sunny and cloudy spinning wing decoys. <laughs> you put you them out on sunny there. days, <laughs> you, you put to. them out on cloudy days. What do you do? Or uh, do you not use them at all? Go ahead, Josh. So, so personally, Josh, um, I've owned one spinning wing decoy my whole life. And I know that, like here, I think teal, they can be super effective. I've seen other people at times where they use a spinning wing and they suck birds in, but not always. It's, I think, I mean, they're used a lot here in California. Mm-hmm. And I think the ducks just get mm-hmm. used to seeing them. And so personally, I, I don't even use a spinning wing decoy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Titus? Um, well, you know, like Travis said, same way I've used, I've put, um, cause we, you know, the toolies out here, sometimes eight feet, 10 feet tall, specific ponds I've been in and, and they're kind of dense. So I've put them up on super high poles, like 12 feet. And man, I, I mean, I've killed cinnamon I, that day. I killed a cinnamon. Um, we killed, uh, all three limits of teal. And it was incredible. I mean, I know for a fact they were coming because of it and it was a sunny day. The sun mm-hmm. was out. And I feel like you do get more, I think a sunny day, in my opinion, is a little bit better for using it just for the fact that that white on the wing when it spins draws more attention. And again, that's Mm -hmm. just an opinion. That's all that is. Um, But then I've, I say this, we've talked about some podcasts before. We've had these conversations with Elliot and Jordan and all this kind of joking around and ribbing each other. But I've said these words. I don't like spinning wings or I don't like on these certain times or with mallards or, or educated birds, but has it flared birds? Sometimes I feel like it has, but I felt that way about decoys too. You know? So it's like, there's so many questions and variables that it Mm -hmm. could be. It's like, is it really the spinning wings fault? I have to question myself that, you know? Yeah. And so this past season, I kind of swore off using them. Mm. I've, I had, this just one hunt and I was like, you know, I'm done putting these things out. Everybody else is putting them out. I'm going to make myself look a little different and not put them out. Now there's one situation when I will never hunt without a spinning wing. And that's if I'm hunting mallards in the field. I've heard you say that you will not kill mallards in a field without spinning wing decoys. Most Hmm. likely. What do you think that is Um, for Josh? You know, that's a, Good question because I've seen it firsthand because you turn them off when you're hunting geese and you turn them on when you're hunting ducks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've hunted geese, you turn them off, you got ducks coming in, then they don't do anything. They don't, they don't even notice that you're there. Mm -hmm. But the second you turn those spinners on, they suck right in. I think it just, I, I don't know. Do you think (laughs) it's like, well, do you think it's the the layout being, if it's like, 
you said what a cornfield or dry field. Maybe it's just the setting of that that they or maybe they're not as visible. The decoys. That's what I'm saying. Maybe the if unless there's movement or flashing, maybe they're not seeing it. That's probably true because I mean, <clears throat> think about how well a mallard hen would blend into a corn stalk. Yeah, you wouldn't even see oh, her. You don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you that's it. But for me, I spinning wings on water, not a huge fan of them. Yeah. Unless it's teal season, then I'll put everything out there. But um, main part of the season, I don't really like to use them. I used to pull them out and stop using them about December. But anymore, I just don't don't think they're as effective as they used to be. So what do you use for movement, Josh, when you're not using a spinning wing? Is there Do you go with a jerk string, pulsator, uh, some kind of – some that swims in circles, flashers. I mean, what? I've just got a jerk string that I use sometimes, but most of the time we got a decent wind here, so okay. I don't have to worry about that too much. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> that makes that it could be a rarity out here, and I guess that's too. We say that, but in reality, it's not necessarily that it is rare. It's the fact it don't happen on the hunt days. You know, we yeah. got the we got the Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday type of thing, and it always blows on Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> you know. But, oh yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. All right, Josh. Any any specific bird that um sometimes is in your area, not always, or is, is considered a rarity, um, that you may have killed this year or is on your hit list? I don't believe so. I get a pretty good mix of everything, except for specs. We don't get too many specs, but I didn't shoot one this year. Okay. You guys get cinnamons come but, through there? No, those are only in the Pacific Flyway. Oh, wow. Okay. Specs, you said? No, cinnamons. Oh, cinnamons. Okay, yeah. Man, you know what, though? They're coming from up north and through... Don't they Don't they shoot them in Texas? Texas? No, I don't, I don't believe I don't, so. I don't know. I know they, I they kill them down not? in Mexico. I thought they shot... Maybe oh, not, no. huh? Is it only ours? I, I thought they were only west of the Rockies. Like Utah? I know there's in Utah. Yeah, but that's... But that's, yeah. that's still... West Man, Rockies. I, why am I thinking I've seen guys shoot them in Texas? They do shoot them in Texas. I don't know. Maybe every now and then they might get a stray. Right, right. Because I mean, it's not, it's, not, it's not common for sure. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that could be anywhere, though, really, like you said. Just kind of get a huh, stray. Interesting. All right, what's your what's your craziest waterfowl hunting story? I want to hear it. Hmm. I know you told me to prepare for this question, but I couldn't <laughs> think of one. I just didn't know how you define crazy. Like, well, was I it know. just a good hunt? Your death, uh, <laughs> some oddball situation. You know what? Actually, what it is, you're right. Because I remember doing this earlier. We did this for a lot of episodes long ago, and I haven't been doing it lately. But we were doing two. We were doing like, like the craziest as in just not necessarily because of like shooting a lot of ducks. That would be one situation, and but the two second would be like you said, just maybe almost died or <laughs> something wild happened. That is not common. I don't think I've had one of those. You're in luck. Yeah. That's, <laughs> well, I'm gonna knock on wood here. But I've never had one of those. Kind well, of well, situations. what? And I necessarily like. Okay, didn't you guys have something crazy happen this year with bands? Okay, yeah. Well, we shot four banded geese in one hunt. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Same flock? Same flock. They were banded in different places, so they weren't oh, a family Oh, that's awesome. Group. So that was pretty neat. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was right on the edge of the city limits as well. 
So we got a lot of city geese coming in and it was just a really good, really good spot. And it was a tiny pond. And we did I, that. We did that last year. We kind of were killing some city geese. We were outside of their limits, obviously, but it was really mm-hmm. fun. That honker hunt that we passed shot those geese. That was cool. Yeah. Thomas got, a, Thomas got a ban. He, he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got fooled on that one. He was not too happy, but all right. Um, well, Thanks for coming on, Josh, and I appreciate your time, man. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Yeah, we uh it's 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 such a sometimes it can be so tough, you know, linking up. Everybody's got busy lives and got things going on and you're filming, people working jobs, they got family. Same with us, you know, to get here to sit down and to chat can be challenging at times, but when you do, you're glad you got to spend the time talking and finding out more about each other. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. So it sure is. Yeah, so I appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, anything you want to say to wrap this podcast up? What I have to say is be cautious when you're out teal hunting because you never know if your first duck is going to be illegal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Words of wisdom (laughs) from Josh Peck. Words of wisdom. Know what you're shooting before you shoot. There you go. How about that? I kind of had a scenario, too, where I didn't didn't know I bought a brand new gun, and we went out there, and we were on the river, and I didn't have a – they didn't have a uh, plug in the gun. So, yeah, the game warden was like, tink. Tink, tink. You know, I was only putting the right amount of shells in, so I never noticed it, never checked it. Uh-huh. He kept adding in. He was like, you're busting. I was like, how do you even know, you know? <laughs> and you bought the gun from a gun store. And I bought it from a gun store, yeah. so you would think that they that was all part of it, but maybe that's a good tip for someone out there buying a new gun. You better check. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, guys, check Josh out on his YouTube channel, Outdoor Limits. Check him out on all his social media, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Snapchat. <laughs> Snapchat. I don't know if I missed anything. Is there anything else in there I missed? There's so many stinking There's things. Twitter, but are, you on really tic- are you on TikTok too, Josh? <laughs> I am not. Are you? <laughs> no. You know me. I went I went dark, man. I went black. Just YouTube only. So anyways, all right, guys. Well, appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, check out his channel. And thank you for listening to this podcast. Give it a rating review. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.